Extraordinary Attorney 1G Written by Paid Subscription Read by Jem Asteria Chapter 8 Second Chance September 1991 It was an unremarkable autumn morning when Lan Chirin met the woman who killed his brother. Chirin! called Baoshan Shanrin. Lan Chirin nodded and straightened his tie as he approached. She eyed him with amusement. You know, most people don't wear ties to debate practice. I prefer to dress appropriately. You're 17. You should have a little fun. Leggings and sweatshirts. A scrunchie. Lan Chirin blinked. He had never worn any of those in his life. She shook her head. I can't tell you how mad people were after tryouts that I picked a high schooler. Oh, hey, she yelled over the quad, waving madly. Wang Wei approached. She was a formidable debater. He knew of her from debate circles, though they'd never met. She wasn't big on the post-competition schmoozing, which was fine with him. He was not very social himself. Hello, they both murmured eyes skimming over each other and moving back to Baoshan Shanrin. She was a natural leader. This is the one I told you about, Lan Chirin. He's a genius. High schooler, yes, but trust me, you want to debate with him. They met every Thursday in the law library. Lan Chirin had known for a long time that he'd study law, but his two older friends sealed it. He was in awe of them. Wang Wei and Baoshan Shanrin were night and day, but both exceptional. Wang Wei was a first year, cool and rational, ruthless in her logic, while Baoshan Shanrin was a fourth year, fiery and passionate. One day, when the library was closed for fumigation, Lan Chirin suggested they meet at the fencing club. They had large tables in the office to study on, and it was close by. Maybe if they had gone to a cafe, everything would have been different. But instead, Wang Wei met his brother. Lan Chirin had never seen eye-to-eye with Jirpyung. He ran their family club well enough, but he was a capricious man, prone to fits of mania and depression in equal measure, which he never acknowledged the very opposite of Lan Chirin's relentless self-containment. When he and Wang Wei started dating, he tried to be happy for them. They were a slightly odd couple, not least because his brother was 25. Privately, Lan Chirin gave them a few months tops. It was a shock then when she dropped out of her second semester at 19, pregnant with Shishin. His brother was over the moon. He married her straight away. But Lan Chirin could see the hesitance behind his new sister-in-law's eyes every time someone congratulated them or called her Lan Hui. The smiles didn't reach Baoshan Shanrin's eyes either, the only attendee on the bride's side at their tiny wedding. His brother smiled double to compensate. It was the start of a slow slide. 1993 When Shishin was born, Lan Wei became small. There was no other word for it. She was listless and silent. She clearly loved Shishin, who was an easy baby. But whenever Lan Chirin visited, she would hand him the baby and then do things like stare at the dirty dishes for ten minutes without moving or look out the window longingly. Lanchiren said nothing. It was not his place. His job was to be the fun uncle who blew raspberries on Shishin's tummy and spoiled him with impractical toys. 
By the time Jishin turned one, Lan Chiren finished his first year of university. Baoshan Shanren was finishing her master's and teased him constantly about how brutal it was to study for the bar. He kept his head down and had few contacts other than Baoshan Shanren. She was the kind of relentless extrovert who simply decided they were friends. Soon enough, Baoshan Shanren passed the bar and started her own tiny firm called Hambada. Lan Chiren would study there nearly every day to make it look like more people worked there. It was a given that he'd join her when he graduated. Lan Wei visited exactly once, holding Shishin's hand and watching with a strange expression as Baoshan Shanren proudly took her on a tour of the tiny office. Lan Wei shifted on her feet and looked down as she told them she was four months pregnant again, which Lan Shiren was shocked by, but joined in the required congratulations. Did you know? said Baoshan Shanren later, giving him a look. About the pregnancy? No, he said shortly. Baoshan Shanren said a surprising nothing for once. He peeked up at her expression. She looked sad. <sighs> She's never going to go back, she said finally. The best mind of all of us, and she'll never go back. Back to what? Law. Lan Shiren stayed quiet. He'd always stay quiet about this. Some part of him felt guilt for being the reason they met. Lan Jirpyung was a loving father, but the man prone to wildly romantic flights of fancy and dancing in the rain with his at-first-sight love did not turn out to be a good husband. The realities and monotonies of married life did not suit him, but even worse was that his wife's obvious sadness did not suit him. He'd oscillate between self-loathing and the vain hope that if he drew the outlines of a perfect family, the color would fill itself in. Even before Shishin turned two, Jirpyung started to say things like, Shishin, can you say, I want a little brother or sister? Can you say, please, mommy? And her mouth would tighten, and she would wipe the counter in silence or look away. By Shishin's third birthday, the talk of a sibling was constant, Zhirpyung seemed to think it would improve things. They were having arguments about it even in front of Lan Chirin. If one could call them arguments. Usually his brother would just push at it and she would close her eyes and walk away. Only once did he hear her say it hidden in the hallway, in a voice so quiet he clearly wasn't meant to hear. But we talked about me going back to school. Lan Chirin kept his head down, as he always did. Their marriage was not his business. He had one goal, and it wasn't a purely selfish one. His brother had funded his studies, so he couldn't fail. He needed to graduate on time. He was itching to catch up and join Hambada. Looking back, 1994 was the last good year. 1995 Lan Wei gave birth to Wan Ji on the 23rd of January. It was a difficult, brutal birth. From the rushing and the running of the medical staff, Lan Chirin could tell things had been close. This time, it was even worse. His brother would call him at all hours, during class, during study, in the middle of the night, because she had disappeared again. She'd go walking for hours and come back freezing. Brother, he said. Something's wrong with her. You need to take her to the doctor. She doesn't need the doctor, she needs her family. I can't do this all the time. I have the club to run. Can't you just check in on them, just a little more often, just to see they're fine? He did check on them. Once, when Wanji was four months old, 
He walked through the door to find that he was purple and screaming in his crib, and Shishin was desperately trying to comfort him. She... she was just sitting there silently, watching, tears coursing down her face. She lasted for two more months after that, before leaving with a note that just said, I'm sorry, I'm no good at this. Lanchiran knew she had broken up his family, but he never expected her to shatter everything else in his life. He was in Ambata when Baoshan Shanren told him that Jirping was about to be served with a lawsuit for fraud. The plaintiff was Lan Hui. Ambata was representing her. As Lan Chiren gathered his things, Baoshan Shanren tried to plead her position. Chiren, please, this is complicated. She'd had a rough time. Your brother, he did something messed up. Probably twice. Ask him. She, she found evidence. The second time with Wanji. He tampered with her birth control. Lan Chiren did not react well. He stormed out. Partially because he knew the second he heard it that it was the truth, and he'd been staring at the aftermath all along. How could he look at the faces of those sweet little boys and think about that? He stopped taking Baoshan Shanra's calls. He stopped taking anyone's calls. He was drowning. Fraud. It was a heavy word, and yet, as he looked around at the wreckage his brother had caused, it seemed apt. He'd studied law enough. He knew that the lawsuit was grasping at straws. What his brother had done was hard to prove. But Lan Sheeran knew what he would have argued in Baoshan Shanren's position. Technically, one could have even made a case for assault. He confronted his brother exactly once, when Zhirpian came home drunk, raging and raving about her. None of that is true, is it? He said shortly, stopping him mid-sentence, if only so he wouldn't wake up the boys. She wasn't ready to have a baby. Neither of them, but you were afraid she would leave you. He expected that his brother would maybe fight him. Instead, he crumpled. I know, he sobbed. I'm a terrible man. I did wrong. I just loved her so much. Lan Chiren lost the last remaining shreds of respect he had for his brother that night. He had always seen their differences as a slight on himself, and an indication that he should be more vibrant, more interesting, just more. He thought perhaps that he, the stiff and socially awkward younger brother, had something to learn about love from Zhirping. But his brother knew nothing. 1996 Something changed after that night. Len Zhirpyung withdrew into himself until he was incapable of care for himself or for the boys. The only things he would ever say to Lan Chirin were some variation on, See? Aren't you better with them than me, anyway? Lan Chirin could see where this was going. He tried to check him into a hospital. Lan Zhirpyung checked himself out. This would become a cycle. Zhirping would try to get himself together so that he could take the boys to visit Lan Hui, but every time he did, all the little things that showed she was happier, her face filling out, her clean and tiny apartment, the law textbooks on her kitchen table, would make him spiral back again. Then there was Wan Ji. He loved seeing her, but on days afterward, he would have extreme meltdowns or go limp and non-responsive. He didn't react well to disruptions to his routine and didn't understand what was happening. Even worse was Shishin. He was only a little boy, 
but he was already spending all of his time after his visit trying to cheer up his little brother, taking care of Wanji in a way no child should ever have to. Lanjiren couldn't stand watching him being shunted to the sidelines of his own childhood. The lawsuit went nowhere. Lanjiren refused to attend the hearing. Someone needed to look after the boys anyway. But he read the transcript. It was swiftly dismissed, and the judge even took the time to personally castigate Lan Wei. I find this to be not only a waste of court time, but a clear and obvious case of selfish woman who has failed in her duties as a wife and mother, and wishes to hold her husband responsible. Zhu Pyong didn't seem relieved. In fact, his vain hope that Lan Wei would come back to him once the lawsuit was over was crushed quickly. She filed for divorce. Baosh and Sharon showed up at Lan Shiren's doorstep late one night in the rain and told him that she and Lan Wei were no longer speaking. Lan Wei wanted to refile the lawsuit on more aggressive charges. Baosh and Sharon asked her to think about her boys, and Lan Wei just stared at her and said, I thought you'd understand. Baosh and Shanren kissed Shiren that night, and they never spoke of it again. In fact, they never spoke again at all. In truth, Len Sharon couldn't possibly pinpoint the day that he became a full-time carer to two children, or when he moved into the cloud recesses. Was he 20, 21, or 22? He'd often have to remind himself that his brother didn't die until Wanji was three, years after the lawsuit was filed. It felt like earlier. Wanji didn't even remember who his father was by then. The only good thing his brother did was to make sure the police found him, not Lan Shirin. Lan Shirin spat the news over the phone to Lan Wei exactly as he meant it, as blame, as an accusation. She hung up with a strangled sob. He refused to let her come to the funeral. Time passed in a haze in which he still, against all odds, scraped past his bachelors. He allowed her the monthly visit she arranged with Jirpyung and hung up every time she hesitantly mentioned more. He started his master's, he would finish it no matter what. He would qualify and become a lawyer, just not a humbada. 1998 The last visit with Lan Huai was the day after the doctors finally settled on a diagnosis for Wang Ji. He was autistic. Lan Jiren knew he could not afford any specialized schools. He informed her in a deadened voice as the boys played in the next room. By then... He was so tired from studying for his final exams that he barely registered her response. I'll take them. I can help him. The words took a while hanging in the air before they reached him. What? He said quietly. I'll take them. I can do it now. I'm sorry, Chirin. I... I've been wanting to ask for a while since Zhirpyong. You should never have had to do this alone. I'm so sorry. I know what it feels like, but I'm better now. I can study part-time, and maybe you and I could, could be a family. I know it's not the one the boys were supposed to have, but I can try now. Try. Lanjiren's hand slowly balled into fists as he stared at the floor. He had never had the luxury of only trying. Boys, he said quietly. Get your things. We're going. The boys waited outside as he faced her. You will not see my boys again. Her eyes filled with tears. Chirin, Never. You do not get to leave, 
and then come back only when you're ready. I was never ready. Here I am anyway. She mouthed silently. You can't. I'm their mother. No, I'm their only parent. Since both of them were born, Hui, you were too wrapped up in your own misery to bother. He was being unfair. He knew that. He knew she was unwell and was a parent against her will. But so was he. And now, after all this, his throat closed up at the thought of being alone without his boys. They were his. I can sue for custody. Her heart wasn't in it, and they both knew it. You think a judge is going to look at that lawsuit and give you custody? Said Lancheren bitterly. Her mouth fell open. Cheerin, how... Your being was wrong. That has nothing to do with how much I love them. They're separate things. Lancheren scoffed. As separate as you've been for four years? Shishin is seven now. You want to just come back? Like he doesn't remember you leaving? As far as I'm concerned, you're welcome to come back into their lives, but only if you can look me in the eye and tell me you know they'd be better off. He held her gaze. She broke it. She moved a few weeks later, and never told him where. Not that he would have asked. She sent birthday cards which he threw out. They would only confuse Wanji, and make Shishin plaster on a smile to pretend he wasn't sad. He noted over the years that she remarried, and she started a firm. Sometimes she sent letters with checks. He never cashed any of them, even though he found out after his brother's death that Zhurpyung never paid for his studies so much as leveraged the fencing club to take out loans. In June, he received his exam results. He failed. If he couldn't pass his master's, there was no point in taking the bar. He would not qualify to be a lawyer. The worst part was that he wasn't even surprised or sad. A career of continual run-ins with Baoshan Shanrin or Lan Wei? No. All the fight had gone out of him. He took it as a sign that it was more important to work a flexible job to be able to care for Wanji and Shishin, and the dirt-cheap shop next door to the cloud recesses had been available for lease for over a year. He made up his mind. He was done complaining about his circumstances and feeling sorry for himself. The boys deserved one parent who didn't regret them. He never looked at his books again. Most of the time, he found that the days passed faster when he pretended he never studied law at all. Lan Wenji sat with his uncle for a while on the couch after he told him the story. It looked like it had taken a great toll on him to say it all. Uncle cried throughout, which was very unusual to see. He seemed to be under the impression that Lan Wenji would never forgive him for asking his mother to leave, for throwing away her correspondence. Lan Wenji did not feel that way. It was simply a relief to know everything finally. He sometimes struggled to put himself in other people's shoes. His way of looking at the world was so particular that other people's perspectives could seem difficult to understand. But he could clearly see that his mother and uncle had had to make great many impossible decisions when they were both younger than he was now. Hearing it all had been strange, an out-of-body experience wherein the lawyer in him was detached and interested, while the person was struggling to reconcile the fact that he was one of the children in question. But his time as a lawyer had taught him the importance of priority. First, comfort the client, 
then deal with the evidence and close the case. His feelings about this could wait. His uncle was upset. He squared his shoulders to say what needed to be said. Uncle, I'm sorry that it was so difficult for you. I'm sorry that caring for us has stopped you from having the life you wanted. His uncle looked shocked. His eyes were wet, and he grabbed his hand. It was odd, because uncle was not prone to touch. Oh no, no, my Ajahn. Just because it was hard doesn't mean I didn't want it to be my life. Lanwenji felt a strange trickle down his spine as he heard the words. It seems they were perhaps something that resonated with him beyond just the immediate moment. Wei Yushan knew he was starting to outstay his welcome at his sister's place. He was keeping himself busy, but Friday night's uncomfortable dinner with her stupid boyfriend Jin Zishuan had clearly not been the way any of them wanted to spend the evening, especially not Wei Wushan. After all, it was a Friday, one week without Lanjun. It wasn't getting any easier. At work, the solution was to be as ruthlessly overcommitted as possible. He'd simply march up to Wen Ning's desk, told him to take the week off to study for his investigator exams, and took all his open cases as well as his own. He'd barely been in the office. He couldn't take it. He ran into Lan Zhen exactly once, which was a knife in his stomach, but then he ran into his brother too, and the afternoon passed in a red mist after that. He was convinced this breakup strategy was working. Simply ignore everything and hope it would stop hurting like hell. And perhaps it would have worked if it weren't for the fact that Wen Qing was relentless. She'd apparently been cut loose from attending court from senior attorney Meng, who was always weird around women, and was using that spare time far too effectively. Their message thread was a slew of unanswered texts to the tune of, Have you gotten off the couch yet? You should shower. I bet you smell terrible. And over the weekend, he won't say why, but he's got not a bad word to say about you. On Monday, he picked a case with his mom and made me and your brother do it with him. Clearly, there's a grudge to settle. Maybe give him some space. He's got a weird look in his eye, and it's definitely not about you. On Tuesday, why aren't you here? He's at court. I'm bored, and I want someone to bitch about Meng with. On Wednesday, it's rude to ignore a lady. Wei Yushan appreciated that these were all just thinly veiled excuses to check in on him and reassure him. But it also made his stomach twist with hope each time and then fill with dread at the thought that maybe it really was just a straightforward breakup. Lanjun just didn't want to be with him and getting Lanjun's friends involved in pressuring him wasn't what he wanted. He just wanted Lanjun and if Lanjun didn't feel the same, well... Sleeping on his sister's futon every night felt like a very accurate metaphor for the holding cell his life was right now. He was in limbo, waiting to see if things would actually turn out as bad as he thought. He'd give Lanjun space, but moving on without knowing what had really happened felt impossible. And then there was the Jung Chung thing. He didn't even know where to begin with that, except that he could not live with him again after this. So on Saturday, he decided to stop being so pathetic. He went out and bought his shijay the pastry she liked and sat in the cafe looking at apartment listings. 
Plenty were available immediately this time of year. He made some calls and visited a few. He crossed out any that didn't allow pets. He had perhaps adopted his rabbits on, well, something on a whim, but he was determined not to be a deadbeat bunny dad. He'd take care of them like he learned and be committed. Their twitchy noses and soft ears and cute fuzzy butts had been one of the only comforts for him lately. Even if it resulted in awkward moments, like Ginger's one walking in on him lying on the floor with Bunny Winging eating lettuce off his face. Sometimes I have to bribe them, okay? Look away. One decent place was even closer to the office than his place with Jung Chung, and it had good light and big rooms. But his heart seized when he saw that it was right opposite a gimbap shop. Last week, that would have been a selling point. Now... He didn't know if he could walk past it every day and not feel terrible. On Monday, he finally had lunch with Wen Ching. The others were still in court, probably all week. She mostly just stared at him pointedly as he chewed in silence. So, you haven't spoken at all. Wei Wushan sighed. <sighs> I don't want to pressure him. He ended it, and it's not right for me to mess with his mind right now. If he's going through something and he doesn't want me to be there for him, then that's that. She rolled her eyes. Uh-huh. And your other breakup? What other breakup? Oh. He did not want to talk about Jung Chung. She shook her head. <sighs> you remember what he said to me on the trip? About the Lan brothers? Wei Ushan frowned. They'd gone together to get some snacks and Wei Ushan had offhandedly remarked that he wished he and Zheng Chang were like Lan Shishin and Lan Zhan. She eyed him. You said they just talk to each other, like it's the easiest thing ever. Wei Ushan kept his eyes on his food. What's your point? He grunted. Maybe that you and Zheng Wanyin got to this point because you don't truly talk to each other, and maybe you're kind of doing the same thing with Lan Wanji. What? I'm... You're the one who said I should be giving him space. Space is different from avoiding. You're avoiding him. It's... <sighs> he let out a breath. It's hard for me to see him. She nodded. Yeah? But you're half of this, too. You can ask for what you want from him, for goodness sake. If you just talk to him. He swallowed. What if he doesn't want me to? Then you'll know she said, matter-of-fact. And you can't just keep going on like this. I mean, Wen Ning's exam isn't even for two more months, and he's done eight practice exams already. But he's afraid to come back to work because he had such crazy eyes when you took his cases off him. Wei Wushan sputtered. Uh, I'm not that crazy. Wen Jing folded her arms and stared at him. Wei Wushan snorted helplessly, rubbing his face. The women in his life were so annoying and smart. He took a breath. <sighs> All right, I'll say something, he says, shunting his food around his plate. What happened to you staying out of this? She at least had the decency to look briefly sheepish. I owe you. He stared at her. What? You're good to winning, even though he's different. You being a good boss to him is what reminds me to keep trying to be better to Lan Wenji even though I'm impatient with him sometimes. And you're my friend. It's annoying to have seen you both so happy, and now you're both miserable. You suck to be around when you're miserable. 
Wei Ushan opened his mouth to protest, but said nothing. Lunjun was miserable? She rolled her eyes. He hasn't said so, no, but he doesn't smile anymore. <laughs> Lunjun doesn't smile anyway. Not big smiles like other people, but he did his own version of a smile whenever you were around. Wei Ushan groaned and banged his head on the table, and stayed there like that, with his face smooshed against cold plastic. Wenching stole his dumplings. Lan Wenqi missed working with senior attorney Nei very much. He had not understood before just how much of his success at Hambada had relied on having a boss who let him be himself and let him work how he wished. And how he wished was to be was in the words of senior attorney Meng, disrespectful and insubordinate. The case was still going badly. On Monday, Sun Huai had delivered an incredible presentation that looked like it was designed by a special effects studio. It described how, yes, the government had not in fact done a full construction assessment on alternative routes, but only because they didn't need to. It did not take a specialist to figure out that the only other alternatives would involve either a massive tunnel or road twice as long. My clients did not perform an in-depth construction assessment because they did not wish to burden the taxpayer additionally with what was already clear, that the alternative route would double or triple the cost of this highway. There is room in the law to allow such a decision, if alternate routes would involve such a significantly burdensome construction that one route has a clear advantage. Senior Attorney Meng still smiled throughout. But as they filed out of the courtroom for the day, they received a call letting them know that Tyson had been sending clerks around the town's remaining holdout all day, and now over 64% of the town's residents had accepted the compensation, well over the required threshold. At this point, Tyson was just humoring them. Shit, hissed Attorney Jung, as they waited for Senior Attorney Meng to come back from the bathroom. How did they do that under our nose? They're so sneaky. Lan Wenji sighed through his nose. Not really. Tyson were just better at their jobs. He watched with interest as the judge walked past holding an umbrella with a rabbit logo on it. He hadn't seen the logo before, which was strange, because he had a whole tab in his rabbit spreadsheet of all the companies which had rabbit logos. He would have to add to it. He and Attorney Jung hugged their arms under the cover outside the court. It had rained all weekend. Lan Wenji had been very sad indeed, remembering the Sunday when he was warm and cozy under a blanket with Wing Ying, watching the rabbits play in their tunnel. Hurry along then, fellows, let's go back, called Senior Attorney Meng, hurrying as he opened his umbrella. Back at the office, Wen Qing irritably gave them the summaries of the discovery file she was still getting through. Lan Wenji dutifully began reading them, looking for anything that could stick out as a Hail Mary. She exhaled angrily and muttered something like, Back to it then, before turning to walk away. Attorney Jung looked up and frowned. Where are you going? Huh? I still got at least 300 documents to get through. Boxes H through K? No, I did those. We're done. She gaped at him. What? You did them? Why? Attorney Jung shifted uncomfortably. Because... He said, shrugging. Amunji watched with interest. It had not occurred to him to go against Senior Attorney Meng's orders and to assist with discovery. Perhaps he should have. It would have sped things up, 
He was not sure when Attorney Jung had found the time after court and their late strategy meetings with Senior Attorney Meng. Attorney Jung was rapidly scanning the discovery summary as if looking for something. It wasn't in boxes H through K, he muttered, eye scanning. What wasn't? said Wenqing, hands on her hips. Do any of these reference the tree decision by the Arts and Culture Commission? They're who would have declined listing it as a heritage tree. No, said Wenqing firmly, still looking at Attorney Jung strangely. You sure? Yes. Then it's missing, Attorney Jung muttered. It's missing. Why on earth do you think it's missing? The client said the assessment was done ages ago, and it didn't rule in their favor, which is beneficial for Tyson, not us. They should have it. Wenqing nodded slowly. I'll call them back and ask. No, said Attorney Jung slowly. This wasn't a mistake. You believe something was wrong with the assessment? Asked Lan Wenji. It was an incredible tree, said Attorney Jung distractedly, as Wenjing continued to stare. So what? It's a conspiracy? She said dismissively. Senior Attorney Meng entered the room. All right. Probably one or two more days in court, boys. Wenqing rolled her eyes. Attorney Zheng cleared his throat. <clears> throat> Senior Attorney Meng, we need to investigate the tree heritage claim tomorrow. I think it's pertinent. Oh, well, Wenqing can go. No, Attorney Lan and I should go. She can take our place in court. She knows everything anyway. I know what I'm looking for here. I have a hunch. Senior Attorney Meng seemed to struggle internally. Discovery takes precedent. Discovery's complete. His head whipped around. You finished already? She opened her mouth, but Attorney Jung cut in. Yes, she did. It should be Attorney Lan and I, Attorney Wen in court. Senior Attorney Meng smoothed his suit jacket. Very well. But only the morning. The afternoon will be important reviews of the compensation decision. She may as well stay. There could be traffic. The following morning, they drove largely in silence to the Arts and Culture Commission to meet with the head of the region. Attorney Jung seemed pleased when they told them that they had never received a heritage application for the tree in question, even exclaiming that based on the size and the age of the tree that they were surprised it was not already a heritage landmark. Why are you pleased? said Lam Wenji as they walked out. Because I knew someone was lying. That violinist from the tour who the client said submitted the claim? The client said he signed for compensation already. But I checked. He signed months ago. He was lying to them. Let's go find him. He works here, right? But do we have an appointment? So? We had one. Now we're in. He said, sliding up to the receptionist again with a winning smile and asking for the violinist. Oh, he's right there, said the woman, smiling helpfully and pointing. They turned and made eye contact with the violinist, who had just come in the side door from the rain, shaking off his umbrella. Lamunji's eyes widened. Hi, called Attorney Jung. We'd love to see that tree submission, please. Looks like there was a bit of a mix-up. The violinist stopped, shock written across his face. I, yes, he said faintly. Of, of course. Come and wait in my office, he said, gesturing down the hallway. Lamanji made to turn and walk in that direction, but Attorney Jung stopped him. After you, he said sweetly to the violinist. 
Lamaji looked between them. The violinist's throat bobbed as he gulped. And then he bolted out the door, nearly knocking over a woman as she came in. Lamaji looked at Attorney Jung again, who had not moved an inch. Great, that settles that, he said, moving smoothly to the exit. Settles what? said Lanwenji, baffled. He never submitted it. He's on the tape. Corruption. You think someone bribed him? Lanwenji was shocked. But getting copies of his financial records. Bribe, conflict of interest, whatever. We can't prove it. We don't have that kind of time. Or time for another heritage submission. We're just going to have to insinuate heavily and poisonously. That I can do. Let's go. Lamaji didn't move. He was thinking hard. He turned back to the front desk. Excuse me, he said to the receptionist. Do you know where I can get a rabbit umbrella like that man had? Seriously? demanded Attorney Jung. But the receptionist's eyes had lit up. Oh yes, they give them out of the seminars for speedy homes. They're building developments around here. I put down a deposit with them. They're advertising all the towns nearby. They do seminars most days if you need to visit. Nearby? Yes. The developments are about five kilometers northeast of here. Lamaji nodded and joined a confused attorney Jung walking briskly back outside. That's where the highway will be. What does that got to do with anything? If the highway does not get built, the developments will be semi-rural with a two-hour commute to the city, with the highway is 20 minutes. So? That violinist had that logo on his umbrella, and so did the judge. Attorney Jung's eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh, excellent. Poisonous insinuations would, as it turned out, be very easy to make. Attorney Jung was excited in the car, already scheming about what to say. Lanmunji listened half-heartedly. Now that the moment of truth had arrived in the trial, he felt... empty. He was looking out the window when he realized Attorney Jung had gone quiet. He looked around. Attorney Jung was sneaking glances at him. Why did you break up with my brother? He suddenly said roughly. Lanmunji was surprised. Attorney Jung had been the one person he had counted on not to mention it. So to his own surprise, he ended up being the only person he told the truth. You said why. Attorney Jung's brows contracted. What? You said he would never be happy with me. You know him better than anyone. You are his family. I want him to be happy. Attorney Jung's mouth was hanging open. Who, you, don't, that's not, he choked. He tried again, taking a deep breath. <sighs> what I said about Wei Ushan, I didn't mean that. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> I was just trying to hurt him. Lamunji frowned. He did not understand. They were family. Brothers. He would never try to hurt Qishin, and Qishin would never try to hurt him. That is what being brothers meant. Why? Attorney Jung sighed. <sighs> I don't know, he mumbled, watching him out of the corner of his eyes as he drove. I'm sorry, he said blandly. I really thought you had used your mom and uncle to get a job. I didn't mean to, um, freak you out like that. Lamunji inclined his head. I accept your apology. Attorney Jung jerked his head to look at him briefly. You do? Yes. 
that is what he said. Why? he said, sounding confused. Lanwanji was feeling even more confused. Had he said something incorrect? Or misunderstood Attorney Jung? I guess I don't, um, get why you'd let it go. I fucked up pretty badly. Yes, agreed Lanwanji. But you said you were sorry. You are not lying, correct? Attorney Jung bit his lip, staring ahead. No, I'm not. Good. They were silent for a while. So you just don't hold grudges like that? I do not see a reason to hold a grudge against a colleague who does work I cannot do. What? That you cannot do? sputtered Attorney Jung. You're miles ahead of me. I do not believe so. I have strengths, as do you. I am not able to predict you. I would be very worried to face you in court were we ever to oppose each other. I would not have made the catch about the violinist because you are more suspicious and attuned to people's worst instincts, hence why you are suspicious of me. Attorney Jung swallowed. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know. You said it twice. Attorney Jung, why did you want me to come with you today? Attorney Jung shifted in his seat. So I could say that to you. Oh. A text would have sufficed. Attorney Jung looked at him. And I really didn't mean it. Me and Wei Wushan were just not like you and your brother. He didn't tell me about you. I guess I was lashing out because I was um sad that he didn't trust me and that he was right not to. He's my brother. If I had known you made him happy like that, I would have never... He broke off. Lamunji nodded as he listened. I see. You would have not have posted on the message board? Or posted the envelope to Xiao Xingshen? Attorney Zhang kept his eyes forward, though they widened slightly as Lanwenji acknowledged his awareness of his conduct. I, uh, no. I wouldn't have. Lanwenji considered that. So, being friends with you is the best way to avoid underhanded sabotage on your part, rather than relying on your morals? Attorney Jung mouthed soundlessly. What? I did not appreciate those methods, but they were effective. As I said, I would not want to be your enemy, so perhaps we should instead be friends, if not amicable colleagues or cordial acquaintances. Attorney Jung shook his head, exasperated. So you want to be friends to help your career? Or at least to stop you damaging it. Are you offended by this? Attorney Jung sighed very loudly and muttered something like, Worse reasons, I guess. I accept. He chewed his cheek. On the terms you take what I told you to heart, I really didn't mean what I said. Lanwenji felt a strange pang the one he kept feeling whenever he thought about Wei Ying and couldn't do something about it. I do wish I had known that before I ended things. I thought I was doing what was best. Attorney Jung rolled his eyes. You know, you can take back a breakup, right? If you both want to? Lan Wenji blinked. But he had hurt Wei Ying terribly. He had behaved very badly, breaking up with him via text, and not even giving him a reason. He had not been able to parse the reason himself at first. Chishin sometimes had to gently remind him of what he called his end-of-the-world thing 
which was when he tended to assume small conflicts signaled the end of a relationship. Once, when he was ten, he and Cixin had argued at fencing, and then he spent the evening packing a little suitcase to run away because they thought they couldn't be brothers anymore, because brothers should not fight. But maybe, just maybe, was there a chance that he could... Come on, we're here. Time for me to burn all my bridges with this judge. Senior Attorney Meng was much less amenable than they had thought. But this is a smoking gun, hissed Attorney Jung as the judge drummed his fingers impatiently, waiting for them to finish their discussion. Umbrellas? Alienating the judge with an unfounded accusation is not appropriate. I forbid this. But it's best for the client. If any of you accuse the judge of corruption based on a logo, I will fire you myself stated Senior Attorney Meng sharply, pinching between his eyebrows. Law is a long game. Lan Wenji sighed. Their hands were tied. They would lose. He spotted Attorney Jung narrowing his eyes and clenching his fists. Then, he did something very strange. He shrugged and smiled at Wen Ching. She made a quick movement with her hand as if to grab him, and shook her head slowly, eyes wide. Don't she whispered. He looked back at her for a long moment. Why not? I can be a fool. He said and stood. I call for mistrial on the basis of conflict of interest. Most of the Tyson employees looked very shell-shocked as they wandered out of the courtroom. Lamanji recognized the look. The mood in their office would be very somber tonight. Then again, it would be somber at Amada, too. Their mistrial was granted after the judge was forced, red-cheeked and put on the spot, to recuse himself when it became apparent he had invested in Speedy Holmes. But Senior Attorney Meng had given a brittle smile of the client's whoops and cheers, and bent his head to whisper in Attorney Jung's ear. Attorney Jung simply nodded. I'll clear out my desk, he murmured. Wen Xing was pale and looked upset. But Lan Wenji could not do anything about this right now, and he had something he needed to do. He caught up to her. She was ambling very slowly, looking back at him every few moments, as if reluctant to leave. Lan Wenji already knew what he wanted to say. May we speak? He said. Fan Huai nodded and gestured to the same bench he sat on with weighing once. She inspected her hands for a moment. I waited for you last Friday, she said. I'm sorry that you waited but I decided I wished to ask my uncle about the lawsuit instead. She gasped. You... you know about that? Mm. She looked down, placing a shaking hand to her lips. Did she tell you? Baoshan Chanrin? I asked her. I see, she said, looking miserable. I... well... She sighed. <sighs> Very good work on the case. You are a wonderful lawyer, Attorney Lan. I hope you stay in the law. It would be my honor to argue against you at any other time, but if you wish me to recuse myself from any and all opposing cases, I will do so. I understand completely. Simply call my secretary, and I will see it done. Lan Wenji watched her. He supposed this is what Baoshan Shanren wanted, but it's not what he wanted. Lanruji spoke clearly, looking straight ahead. He found that he did have very strong emotions, looking at her face, so this was easier. 
What the judge said in your hearing was cruel. I do not agree with him. Many different expressions flickered across her face as he waited for her to reply. What? She said softly. I understand why you filed the lawsuit. I do not take it personally. What my father did was wrong. Her eyes were very wide with shock. Lanwenji noticed she had red blotches on her neck and was breathing very shallowly. Her hands twitched and she hid them under her briefcase on her lap. Her chest heaved unevenly as she looked at the ceiling. I never thought you would understand. I thought what I'd done, that I'd done something unforgivable. I was so young and I, and I had so much rage. Lanwenji shook his head slowly. I do. I do understand. The wrongs done to you are separate from how you felt about being a mother and how you felt about your children. She exhaled. <sighs> yes. Yes, that's exactly... that's it. Everyone told me I can separate those things, but that's not how I felt. She stared at him in wonder. Lanwenji nodded. The wrong done to you meant you had children before you were ready. I am one of those children, but I do not take your feelings about that as being about me. Tears ran down her face. It destroyed me. Not because you weren't wonderful. You were. Because it meant I couldn't be your mother or wanted to be. And then I lost you because of it. I so wanted to be able to be your mother, Wenji. And Shishin's. But I was sick and I was sad and I wasn't with the right person. I'm sorry I couldn't rise above it. I loved you both so much. I wish that was enough to raise everything else. Lanwaji sat with her for a while, until her breath was more even. I do not remember you as being a bad mother, and it took bravery to say that something was wrong, even when the law did not support you. I will not tell Shishin. His relationship with you is his own. She wiped away tears with her hand. Thank you. Though it is your right to discuss it with him, should you change your mind? She exhaled. <sighs> I just can't believe this. I never thought that you'd ever want to see me again. I have learned recently that we all assume how others feel, and that we are usually wrong. In the future, please just ask. She gave a watery smile. Your uncle, he has been an incredible parent. I hope you tell him that. Lamanji inclined his head. I will tell him. Lamanji heard a ping. Weighing. 1701. Hi. I hope your case went well. I just wanted to say I'd like to talk to you when you're ready. I have some things I want to say. Lamanji looked up at his mother. She was still watching him with a hungry expression, like she was desperate just to see his face and be near him for a little while but Lanwaji had places to be, as it turned out. I'm sorry, madam. I have to do my walking off thing now. He stood and left. He didn't see her smiling as he went. He sent only two texts. 1702. Where are you? Weighing... 1702. I just got to my sister's. Should I come back to the office? No. Please send me the address. I am on my way. 
Lanmanji wondered as he sat on the subway if he should rehearse what he wanted to say. But Wang did not ever make him feel like he had to. He knew what he wanted to say. It was quite simple. He knocked. Wang answered. He looked nervous and a little bit thinner, which was of concern. He needed to make sure Wang ate properly. Hello, Wang, he said. Hi, said Wang, hands twisting. Come in, my sister isn't home. The rabbits are here, though, he said, gesturing to the corner. Mm, said Lan Wenji, not looking at the rabbits. He was not here for them, even though they were excellent. Do you want to sit? asked Wang, rubbing his hands through his hair. No, this will not take long to say. Wang let out a breath, giving a tight smile and looking down. <sighs> oh, okay. I wanted to say some things as well, but maybe, um, you go first then, if you know what you want to say. I do. All right, said Wang, closing his eyes and looking pained. Lamanji looked at him. His hair was messy, and he looked the way he always did after a long day at the office. He was very beautiful. It had been far too long since he had been able to watch his face and all the little expressions on it. There was nothing else for it but to say the words. Wang, you're better than rabbits. Wang's eyes sprung open, and he looked at him slightly dazed for a moment. The silent stretch were far longer than it usually did with Wang, but Lanmunji could wait. What? He said eventually, in a soft voice. Wenching asked me before we went to the wedding booking what my nickname would be for you. I was trying to think of a good metaphor, but I could not do so because you are better than everything I was attempting to compare you to, even rabbits. I know that most people would probably think it is silly to say you are better than something like rabbits, but I do not think it is. Maybe if they love something as much as I love rabbits, they would understand. Wang's lips were parted and his eyes were damp. He took a shaky breath. Lanjun, that day was before our first date. Lanmunji looked down. He supposed this was another one of his no-game moments. Yes, I am sorry. Sometimes I take a while to understand my own feelings. Wang shook his head disbelievingly, his small smile starting to bloom on his face. <laughs> Lanjun, are, are you saying you love me? Mm, yes. But that did not seem like enough. Lots of people say the words, I love you. His eyes are fixed on his face. And you wanted to say something better? He asked, speaking slowly. Mm. Wang wiped his eyes, sniffling. Well, yeah, you did. He sat down heavily on the arm of the couch and gave a small helpless laugh. <laughs> I guess I should come up with something better than I love you too then, he said, scratching his head. I don't really know what else I can say. You just, you make complete sense to me. That's all I wanted to tell you. I didn't know if you felt the same way, but I just wanted you to know. Lamanji felt tears in his eyes, even though he wasn't sad, for the second time in his life since the night he met their bunnies. I did feel that way. I'm sorry that I broke up with you and by text, and that I didn't give a reason, and that I hurt you. Wang was covering his eyes and breathing very shallowly. Uh-huh, 
Yeah, that was the list. Are you all right? said Lemonji, concerned. Wayne took his hand off his face and nodded. Yeah, he whispered. To be honest, I'm not really hearing much of what you're saying right now after the better than rabbits thing. Oh, are you overwhelmed? <laughs> yeah, he laughed. Would you like to be alone in a dark room? <laughs> no, he snorted. No, sweetheart. Anwanji was still standing by the door. Please let me know how I can assist you. Wang shook his head fondly. I think I need you to get over here and let me touch you. Oh, nodded Lanwaji happily. All right. He moved closer and stood right in front of Wang Ying, ready for whatever Wang needed. Wang stood and cupped his face, which made Lanwanji sway. He wrapped Lanwanji in the tightest hug yet. Lanwanji breathed out, long and slow. He had missed this so much. Wang was warm and his hair was soft and he smelled like Wei Ying, and his arms were so nice. Hey, Linjun, said Wei Ying after a while. Hmm. Can you warn me, if you ever think of doing that again? Lan Wenji felt a pang of sadness. I will endeavor to not act so rashly again. I did not mean to hurt you. I just thought you would be happier if you're not burdened by me. Wang's hug was now practically bone-crushing. Lanmanji loved it. I wasn't happier, Lanjun, and you're not a burden. Make me a promise, okay? Don't make decisions about how I feel unless you've asked me. Mm, said Lanmanji, entirely blissed out. Those are acceptable terms. Please do tell me any other rules that I can use to avoid hurting you in the future. It was comforting to have rules to stop that from happening, because Wei Ying was the most wonderful person in the world. How was the case? And how did everything go with your mother? murmured Wei Ying. Amaji thought about that for a bit. Is it acceptable we discuss that later? I have been missing you very much, and I would like to kiss now. I do not think I want to stop touching for a lengthy period. Mmm, said Wei Ying, pulling back and holding him close, hand stroking the sides of his waist in the way he liked. He looked amused. I see. Now that we are reinstated, do you want me to go back to asking before I kiss you again? Lamanji frowned. No. No? Mm. Shall I proceed then? Is there any order of touching you want me to go through first? Lamanji was impatient and proceeded straight to kissing. He liked it very much when Wang laughed as they kissed. A few days later, Lan Wenji was invited into Baoshan Shanren's office for a discussion. Baoshan Shanren nodded at him as he entered and gestured to the seat opposite her desk. I have named Ming Shui on the phone, she said. I'm not letting him in the office just yet. If you see him in the office, you call security. He heard senior attorney Nei sigh loudly. She clasped her hands on the desk and faced him. Now, attorney Lan... It should come as no surprise to you that we want to renew your contract to be a permanent attorney a Hambada. Lamanji bowed his head. It was indeed not a surprise. 
We'll be offering the same to your colleague, Attorney Wen. We hope you will take it. Do you have anything you want to say? Hmm. You have made record profits this year, and should I choose to stay with Amara, I would like a say in how it is spent, given I helped to earn a significant portion. She folded her arms as he heard Senior Attorney Nay sigh again on the phone. You are too young and too new to be named a partner. I am not asking for that. Then what? I would like you to offer a third contract, specifically to Attorney Jung. She raised her eyebrows. Senior Attorney Nay cleared his throat on the line. Attorney Lan, are you aware why neither I nor our CEO fought his dismissal? I am more aware than you think, Senior Attorney Nay. You stated that we were a good team who would not have achieved our results without each other, did you not? A stony silence. I did, he said reluctantly. He muttered something about, I was just being passive-aggressive. If you are interested in retaining the factors behind my success at Ambata, you will retain both Attorney Wen and Attorney Jung. I have weaknesses as a new lawyer still, and I believe Attorney Jung balances them out. Baoshan Shanren shook her head. I'll make the offer if it's that important to you, but I don't want any more dramatics. If you think you'll be a good team, you had better show me. We will. Fine, she said, sounding almost amused. We would also like to ask each incoming permanent employee what they think about our pro bono programs and if there are any charities they wish to represent. Yes, I am aware. I have ideas. You do? You allocate 10% of your cases to pro bono. I propose that we reserve an additional 2% of the budget. Two? For what? She said warily. I had done some research, he said, handing it to her though he was somewhat reluctant to let go of his nicest binder. She took it with raised eyebrows, eyeing the 108 color-coded tabs. Lan Wenji had prepared a speech. People can become carers for loved ones at any stage of life. Most of the time, it is an unexpected interruption. There are many carers who have previously worked in law, but have expired registrations or were unable to finish their qualifications due to the demands of becoming carers. If Ambata created a program to fund the completion or renewal of carers' legal qualifications and provided a pipeline of work, you could recruit many more qualified and experienced employees per year and satisfy your charitable contributions simultaneously. There was silence on the phone until Nang Mingshui hummed and said, Hmm, I actually really like that. Baoshan Shanren regarded him with a steely eye. Your uncle would qualify for this program, would he not? She remarked. He was my inspiration, though he would be unlikely to apply, as you are his friend and he does not like nepotism. She bit back a smile. Well then, she said, nodding slowly. In that case, I need to talk to some other firms and see if we can make this a wider program. He swayed. A wider program? That would be wonderful. There were lots of people like Uncle. She nodded at him, smiling. Thank you, Attorney Lan. I'm enjoying watching you become an extraordinary attorney. Two months later, his uncle called him into the kitchen. Wanji, you want me to apply for this? He said, sounding tired, waving the application form for the careers program, supported by 14 law firms citywide and all major universities. 
Hmm, said Lemonji with his best innocent face. You move this form to a different place in the house every day for a week. Wenji, you put it inside the fridge on top of my lunch. Oh, you notice. Lanji said nothing to the question, which was his usual response, but also Attorney Jung's advice from his attempts to train him to be more cunning. Oh, for goodness sake, you're awful at this. Say nothing. Uncle sighed. <sighs> Would it make you happy if I applied? Lanji thought about it. Is that what you want? He asked. He was learning to ask Wang that a lot, and then say things like, Are you sure? If he suspected that Wang was just doing something only to please him. Uncle eyed him, letting out a slow breath and looking away. <sighs> it's been a long time since I thought about what I want, he said quietly. Lanmanji nodded. You should start. Uncle was only 48 years old. He seemed annoyed when Lanwenji pointed out that 48 was not yet old enough to go into a retirement home. He wanted his uncle not to be lonely, now that he and Cixin were out of the house so often. Maybe he could make a friend like Wen Ching if he went back to law school. Uncle almost smiled. All right, he sighed, sitting down and starting to read through the form. Since being boyfriends with Wang again, many interesting things had happened. In mid-December, he helped Wang move into his new apartment, which most excellently was opposite a gimbap shop. Wang and Attorney Jung were still quite careful with each other, but at least Attorney Jung helped with the move. Lan Wenji actually wasn't there for most of it, because Wang told him to only come in the evening once the furniture was set up. He later found out this was because Huaisung had pulled Wang aside and told him about his issues with Ikea. I could have helped. Boyfriends are supposed to help each other move, he grumbled, after Wang had brushed the snow from his hair, taken his coat, and ordered him to snuggle with him on his soft new couch. Not if it's something you hate so much that you're banned from all Ikea stores for life, sweetheart, said Wang, kissing his cold cheeks repeatedly until Lanwenji smiled, even though that ban was a misunderstanding. On New Year's, Wang had to sit him down and explain that Shishin and Senior Attorney Nei were boyfriends now, which was very shocking news that came out of nowhere. Apparently, Wang told him because they would most likely kiss at midnight at Wang's New Year's Eve party. Lanmuji asked if there were any other couples he did not know about, and Wei Ushan laughed and said, <laughs> No, I put money on Wenqing and Zhengcheng never actually happening. Senior Attorney Nei did not appreciate Lan Wenji's email instructing him on how to give nice hugs, which was a shame because Lan Wenji had included diagrams which he thought were very helpful. That being said, Lan Wenji was very pleased that his boss was back at work. Bunny Weying and Bunny Lanjun were thriving in Weying's new apartment. On a Tuesday in February, Lanjun discovered that Weying actually did not enjoy cleaning their hutch very much, which was fantastic news because he loved it. And now, he had the job all to himself and did not have to redo weighing sections. It required more weighing days per week, though, which Wang generously agreed to. In March, his uncle began a semester to resit his master's, then the bar. Lan Wenji helped him study on Mondays and Thursdays, which were his only remaining non-weighing days, with many highlighted notes. 
though Wang gently told him maybe not to use the red pen on his essay so much. He switched to the glitter purple. Nei Waisong decided that he was tired of late nights at the bar, so he offered to take over the gimbap shop on the condition that he could also use it as an art gallery for his work. Uncle begrudgingly agreed. It was nice for Lan Wenji to see Waisong much more often now that he worked next door, though it was annoying that he sometimes had to wait for a table. The shop was now something of an Instagram spot due to Waisong's displays of elaborate fans painted with what he insisted were tasteful nudes. The shop was doing oddly well. Uncle's vein popped whenever he walked past it, but he seemed happier. Sometimes Lan Wenji was exhausted. Sometimes he was annoyed. Sometimes he was sad. He learned to tell Wang about that instead of walking off or pretending or hiding. He had another shutdown after a car crash happened near them when they were walking with a client. Wang held him tight and got him home and put him to bed. It didn't feel as scary as he thought it would. Most of the time, he was content. He had spent his life working towards his goals and learning everything there was to know about the law, thinking that would be enough to make him a good lawyer. But he now wondered if he would have ever become the lawyer he was now if he hadn't met Huaisung and learned how to have fun with people instead of being afraid of them, and met Wen Qing, who taught him how to defend others, not just in the legal sense, then named Mingshui, who showed him how to practice law while still being himself, even Attorney Zheng, who showed him how to know his own weaknesses. Perhaps he still would have enjoyed Hambada and enjoyed his work without them, but he would not have loved it like he did now. Most of all, Wei Ying. He had always thought he did not enjoy change very much, but his chest felt very tight whenever he thought about not meeting Wei Ying. He would not be able to articulate everything he had learned from him and because of him, though he had started to because he had a new spreadsheet. Wei Ying caught himself working on it one lazy Sunday afternoon. Wei Ying was in the kitchen with sheets of colored paper spread out everywhere, watching YouTube videos on how to make origami rabbits. No, don't look, I want to teach you. If we learn at the same time, you'll be faster and I'll never get it. Lan Wenji mostly left him to it, absorbed in his own work, until Wang bent down behind the couch to tuck his chin on his shoulder and drape his arms around his neck. Wait, what is that? Lan why is there a spreadsheet named Wang? Lan Wenji felt his ears warming. It's just for organizational purposes. Wang hummed and nuzzled at his neck. Mmm, can I see? Please? Lan Wenji sighed and showed him. The tabs were named as follows. History, family and friends, likes, dislikes, stressors slash fears, walking locations not near dog parks, see stressors slash fears, food and drink, cute photos and videos, movie slash series by enthusiasm of response, Touching tights by enthusiasm of response. ADHD notes. Places to look for Wang's keys. See ADHD notes. Hobbies tried. Evidence of bunny winging favoritism. Wang was quiet for a bit. I see, he said reading. Lanwiji was worried. Perhaps he had overstepped. Wang spoke by his ear, vibrating through him. Lanjun, how many tabs are there in your rabbit spreadsheet? Lamanji frowned. Thirteen. He showed him. History, physiology, ecology, breeds, cute photos slash videos, domestic care and feeding, media, art, corporate logos, 
campaigns and activism, questions Wang has asked, Bunny Wang notes, Bunny Lanjun notes. Wang nodded with that twinkle in his eyes. Ah, yes, 13. Lamanji was confused. Why? Wang shrugged, biting back a smile. Oh, no reason. Just because my one has 14 tabs. Lanwanji said nothing, looking at him gravely. Wang was a concise investigator. The evidence was clear and incriminating. Wang laughed softly, kissed his cheek, whispered some very nice words in his ear, and went back to the kitchen. Lanwanji navigated back to the likes tab of the Wang sheet and wrote this spreadsheet at the bottom. He should have known because Wang promised him on his very first day at Ambata that he would only ever make fun of things he liked about him. Thank you for listening to Extraordinary Attorney Wanji, written by Paid Subscription, read by Jem Asteria, art by Captain Bumble. If you enjoyed this reading, I encourage you to follow me on Spotify or a platform of your choosing. You can also access this recording and the original story on AO3. I also encourage you to leave kudos on the original fic. Be sure to say hi to me on Twitter at gem underscore Asteria, where I'm usually most active talking to fans and sharing updates frequently.